0: DJPK brought to you apart by Davis Vision. Davis Vision is giving you 1,000 reasons to get rid of those contacts or glasses. That's $1,000 off LASIK. Start your road to better vision at DavisVisionMD.com or call them at 801 253 3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So, Steve, it's not a good morning if you root for Utah State or BYU because it felt like opportunity. And it felt like opportunity lost. Opportunity got away. And for BYU, you know, there have been times, and we went into this with you last week, where with the seeding, you thought, this is going to be an uphill struggle. But, man, watching UCLA... They're good, and I want to give them credit for being coached up and being smart and playing hard and making shots. And they got toughness, but I don't feel like they have like the high end talent that just causes massive mismatches. I don't feel like they got the NBA guys that would give them separation. Credit them for finding a way to get the win, but I think that's what really makes it feel like opportunity lost. I don't feel like BYU was outclassed; I just feel like they were beaten.
1: Yeah, you know the thing about. You, you guys have been around. Nick Cronin teams, I mean, they're not, not just prepared, but there's usually an element of toughness. And I and I felt like this BYU team all year has had toughness and togetherness and had the things you need to be successful. But, you know, watching that game, I agree with you. I mean, there weren't a lot of guys just going out and making plays and had, uh, like you said, NBA-type talent. But they were really disruptive defensively. And anytime time you can switch, uh, basically – Uh, two through five, Uh, and BYU has a very aggressive offense. I mean, there there are a lot of ball screens. There's a lot of dribble penetration. It's an attacking north-south offense, and and for the most part, USC just took them completely out of it, and you you, you, only need to look at the evidence, and when you go three, a good shooting team goes three for 17 from the three, it means they're contested. They never got three open looks. They're never and one or another and one where – You know, a pass is made and they're wide open. BYU was never, hardly ever, wide open. And this game was won at the defensive end for USC. I mean, they just imposed their will. They were um, obviously more athletic. They were long. And the ability to switch everything uh, didn't allow BYU to get in those seams like they do, especially Barcello, who's really adept at turning corners on screens and penetrating north-south, finding guys, and then they find somebody else wide open. So my just watching that game and 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 I seldom during my in the last few years will I watch an entire game and know you get the tournament games nancy two NCAA, I'll, I'll watch the entire game, but usually i'll just tape it and watch it in twenty or thirty minutes, but it jumped out at me really clearly that yeah b y u went three for seventeen from the three, but u c l a had a whole lot to do with that, and uh, so we, we can talk about. UCLA not being a team that uh, probably has uh, draft, draftable-type guys at this point in time. But as a unit, they were solid, and they were driven. And I think, to be honest with you, the advantage they had is they'd played a game. And if there was any doubt in this team, beating Michigan State when they were down big, come back and win in overtime, they came into that game with a lot of confidence, a little more relaxed attitude. This is BYU's first opportunity. I mean, none of those kids are really, I'm, I'm not sure, but I, I'm not sure that any of those kids had ever played in an Two-A. Maybe Barcello did in Arizona but didn't play. Harms did. Harms probably, Harms probably did play a little bit. Yeah. But for the most part, most of them had never been in that environment, and there is an adjustment. And uh, so I agree with you that this wasn't uh, a team talented that it has a bunch of NBA draft picks, but collectively as a group, UCLA was really, really good defensively and imposed their will. And anytime you can hold a team like that, like BYU, who did shoot 49% from a field goal, but they live and die on that three. They need that three. That, that's the difference maker for them. And when, when a BYU team only has five assists, when on a regular basis they'll have 15 or 20, tells you that uh, there wasn't any separation. I mean, they couldn't get separation, so that it, it, they needed help, because that's how that's how you create assists. You, you dribble, penetrate, they help. You kick, you kick one more time, feet squared, you knock a shot down. That wasn't happening. So, as
2: I look at Mark Pope, the job that he's done and what he's going to do go forward, it's clear to me that you know, related to what you did when you took over a program that was in shambles and got it to winning titles in only four years, you two two pronged deal. You had transfers that were junior college kids and then mixed in and blended in with the traditional recruiting base of BYU, and we know what that is. Uh, Pope, it looks like he is putting more emphasis on The transfers now, they are four-year transfers. By four-year, I mean going to four-year as opposed to junior college, although he does have the one junior college kid coming in or on the program with George, obviously. And I'm trying to figure out how successful he can do that going forward to get BYU to have success in the tournament because there's been three coaches now, even four going back to Roger Reed, and that's as far as I go back, as far as – have had success getting to the NCAA tournament. Put him in there, and obviously you and Dave did that too. But everybody wants more. And, and I look at it, I'm trying to gauge is it tougher or easier now and I'm going back and forth because you guys, especially for you and then Dave earlier, when you were in the Mountain West, and that was a really good basketball conference and when BYU and Utah came to town it was a big, big deal so kids were excited about that you don't get that as much in the West Coast Conference, Gonzaga obviously and to an extent St. Mary's and then you got a bunch of sort of just kind of programs that are existing so my thought for you going forward do you believe that this is the way mark pope has to do it at a higher level in order to get the program to have success in the ncas or can they rely more on the traditional byu recruiting base <clears throat>
1: Well, I, I think I mean if, if if I were there today, and and and, and the Mark has been amazing in terms of what he's done and putting this together in two years, and and when you have a comp- almost an entirely completely different lineup from year one to year two, uh, I think you need to do both. Uh, I I think that Mark is going to find. The, the, I mean, I, you know, the difference for me. And and when I was there, my experience was that none of the the, there weren't any BYU guys coming. You know, I mean, they were going to Utah. They were going to Utah State. The the best members of the church were not coming to BYU for a few years. And so, like you said, we were kind of forced our hand to look at junior college guys or transfers or whatever that might have been. That's not the case today. Uh, I I think uh, members of the church are going to want to come to BYU. There is facilities below, there's a great coaching staff that has rapport with kids. There's chemistry and culture there. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different that I think they can get those guys. And I think they need to continue to get those guys. And, And not very often are guys leaving early from BYU. That's not the type of student athlete they're recruiting. And they don't have access to those types of guys, but they have access to really good players. And occasionally you're going to have a guy that gets drafted and, Maybe leaves early. That's happened a little bit as of late. But I, I think the thing about the transfer rule, which is so unique, is that, first of all, this coming year, you guys think that they've allowed you to come in and don't have to share And So you can fix issues. You can, a kid that transfers is not happy. Somebody gets hurt. Whatever the circumstances are, you can take full advantage of that. And Mark has the relationships. That It's a high-energized staff. They're going to connect with young people today. Uh, you you just have to watch some video of the Gonzaga game and different home games when they had fans and young people are going to come there. They're going to be impressed whether they're members of the church or not. So it's a destination, the facilities, the practice facility, the fan base. They pretty much have it all in terms of those types of things. Yes, there are some restrictions. They can't just bring anybody into this school. But at the end of the day, uh, I I think they have to have a balance. There's no way you don't take advantage of that because it's going to be what gets you back in. I mean, Honestly, I don't think most people thought coming into this thing that BYU probably was going to be an NC2A team. There were a lot of question marks when you have a completely new team, the, the unknowns. And, and somehow, some way, by getting three. I mean, Barcello had been there, but Everett, I mean, he had a huge impact in this thing. And Harms, the presence at the rim, and the things that he did there. Getting Loner to come in, who, who will be a long-term guy who is a member of the church, and then, but other guys like. You know, Nell and Johnson, they got good play out of people that none of us have ever heard of before. And so it, it's one of those things. I, th- I thought they did a, a wonderful job. Going forward, I think you, you continue to do the same. The more people you can get into the program for four years, it is, you're right. It, it, you have that continuity. You have that confidence. Uh, the culture of the program is consistent, and guys get better. That's what happens with most of the coaches that the coached at BYU – is they'll get a kid and get a young man that comes. He goes on a mission, comes back, and all of a sudden you know, no one knows who he is, and by the time he's a junior, where'd this guy come from? That's the benefit of being able to do both. He, he can not only develop players, young players, that possibly serve missions early, come back, and he has an opportunity to, to kind of look around and see what's out there and what he needs and I'm sure they're doing that uh, at this very moment. And that's how quickly your mind changes. Is that we, We've got to get this. We've got to be better here. We know what our weaknesses are. I haven't heard anything about, I think harms isn't coming back, but I know any of these seniors could come back. And if, if that happens, that, that changes the dynamics of it too. So I don't know if you had, were a brand-new coach that you could ever go into a situation that was better, where you could fix when you have attrition in a program. And then you can immediately fix it by getting out and beating the streets down and finding guys that can play. So you, you never know when those times happen or when guys you recruit, are not they don't turn out. I mean, they just don't live up to expectations, and you need to make changes. In today's world, the N A, you can fix mistakes that coaches sometimes make or that players make. And so I, I think it has – you know, Pat, I just think it has to be both. And, and I think that's the world we live in. It would be foolish to go away from transfers – and just try to sustain it with uh, LDS kids or kids that feel comfortable and feel like they're a good fit. So for me, speaking for me, man, I, I would love that. I would love the opportunity to go out and find a nugget or two every year knowing that, hey, somebody broke their leg, somebody transferred, somebody went on a mission. You can fix those problems way quicker today than you could 20 years ago.
0: So, do you think there's a risk in having too many transfers that you start getting some of the same issues that these high end schools have with the one and done kids?
1: Oh yeah, you could, you could. I mean, you know, I, I, I there's no question. It, it, you, I think the balance is the key, and I, I think if but every year you've probably got to have two, three, four. And I'm not talking about uh, you know a, a situation where your transfers and junior college type transfers. But yeah, you're right. The guys that have one year and they're ready to go, they've graduated, and now with the new rules, you you don't even have to sit out. I think, yeah, you do have to find a balance. You have to be careful. And you certainly have to be careful with character things. And, you know, like the the NBA is is really good at uh, doing their homework in terms of character and type of person and how they'll fit in. And I think there has to be a real significant emphasis on making sure you have the right type of guy transfer-wise, coming into your program that won't be disruptive, that uh, is not going to be a problem down the road. So, yeah, you you could potentially have problems if you uh, you don't have an attention to detail in terms of your preparation, in terms of who you recruit, and especially when you're recruiting through the transfer portal.
2: So since the last time we spoke to you, there is an opening now at the University of Utah. How good of a job is that?
1: It's a good job. I mean, you benefit from just an amazing community support-wise. You're in an NBA city. Uh, you, you have culture. You have everything that you, you a young man would want. You're in the Pac-12. Uh, you know, th- there are a lot of benefits. They have a, a great history there and a great fan base that hasn't been there lately, recently, and that, that happens when you're not winning. But I think it's a great job, and uh, I think – I haven't heard a lot about who the candidates are or if anything's even been said. But, uh, you know, it's, again, it's a a unique situation because you are going to deal with LDS young men in in that program that are going to go on missions. You have a degree of that. Uh, You have the ability to, I mean, they've established relationships in Europe and around the world, uh, which is you can do that at the University of Utah. Uh, I think that... You can find whatever you want to find in terms of types of players, in terms of uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a public school. It, it's not nearly as restrictive as BYU might be. So I think it's a great job. And I, I think, you know, Larry did some great things there. I mean, they did the, the recruiting and uh, some disgruntled young people. You know, it got away from them. But at the end of the day, those first few years were magical. I mean, they had great teams and, and obviously there, there have been coaches there and, and none, you know, more important probably than Rick Majeris who turned that thing and just uh, they were doing special things. But all the coaches have been there, have had years where they've had success. Uh, they just need somebody to come in there and sustain it. And uh, I, I'm not sure I know a lot about who, who's applied for that or who's in it. But that's a job that if you're in a mid-major or you're in a high major, you're an assistant. I mean, that. That's a job you want. I, I just think they've got everything there. And, and uh, I don't know a lot about the athletic program and the athletic director. I've not met him. But it just seems like things are in place for that to be good. And uh, time for a change, time to move on. I hope Larry stays in the game uh, because he's got a great mind and he's got a good heart. And so I hope, I hope the best for him. But uh, that, this, that, that is a really, really good job.
0: So how hot do you think Craig Smith is right now? Minnesota, everybody's looking at that because he coached in South Dakota. He's from Minnesota. I mean, he's got the ties to that state and that part of the country. And he's got three straight NCAA tournaments. So how hot do you think he is? And how much would people want the Aggie job?
1: If well, it comes over? I think, first of all, yes, he is a hot commodity. And deservedly so. He's done a great job there and uh, wherever he goes, he's going to be successful. He, he, he's not only a good coach, but he's a great organizer. He's an administrator. He can communicate with his players. He gets guys to play hard. I mean, I, I don't know, Craig, but, but uh, I watched probably six, seven, eight of his games. I watched them play here in Fresno one year, a couple of years back when they played Fresno State. Just watched him, watched his team. He gets it, you know, and uh, if he stays at Utah State, he'll – He'll uh, do the things that Stu Morrill did for so many years. You know, great coach, Coach Morrow. Uh But I, I could see him leaving. And, and, and obviously, I'm not sure that Utah State is going to be able to pay him uh, what uh, some of these other schools are going to pay. And there's Midwest ties. So it wouldn't surprise me at all that if, if he leaves. He's done a great job. He's done everything for that community. And uh, so it wouldn't surprise me if he does leave. I, I don't know him well enough to know – or speculate where he might go, but all the things you just mentioned are probably uh, things that he's got heavily on his mind and uh, there could be a move in his plans. Who knows? I I love Utah state, great fan base. Uh, You can bring young people in from everywhere. Again, you benefit from a solid LDS core group. It's a state that has good basketball. It's not great basketball. It's got good basketball and good, good coaching there. Great coaching in Utah. So, um, whether he stays or leaves, he's always going to be in a good situation. He's lost some pretty good kids the last couple of years, but I love what he's doing, and it's fun to watch his teams play. Uh, I think both are really good jobs, so uh, they'll be highly sought after. There'll be a lot of people applying for him. So you talk about money, and you know
2: money matters. Let's not kid ourselves, and it's important to everyone. It just, it just is. There's no other way around it. And you talk about how uh, Craig Smith might receive offers that will include more money, and maybe if Mark Pope has success, no doubt in my mind, that he would get that opportunity possibly to get more money. What should the schools do? And you were in that situation yourself because you left BYU. What, should the sh- what can the schools do, I should say, as far as offering a better pi- financial package and maybe some other things that are included in that package when a bigger money offer comes from someplace else and you want to keep that individual person?
1: You know, I think with each individual person, it it is different in terms of what their experience has been. I'm just going to assume that for both of those coaches, they've had a really good experience at Utah State and at BYU. I think the ceiling at BYU is pretty significantly higher than it is at Utah State because of facilities. Uh, yeah, there, there is a, it's a more difficult maybe place to recruit to, and but I think with the transfer portal rules, with the relationships that Mark and his staff have, I don't think they're going to have a problem continuing to get good players and to take that program to another level. Um, but, but yes, and, and I, I think even maybe more than money or years and security, and but these are both young coaches, and they're going to have opportunities. So I, I don't think that that's going to be a driving force, though I think it will be a force. That is something you have to consider. And when you're looking at six and seven years and you're looking at significant amounts of money, that is, that's something that, you know, you, you can't just ignore that. Uh, it's not the reason you take a job. You, you know immediately when you go on a campus when you meet an I mean, as important as that is, is getting to know the president, getting to know the athletic director. I, I will tell you just from a personal perspective, that in my heart going back home felt like the right thing but i i can look back and have 2020 vision and know that some of the things that that i the relationships i had with my president my athletic director weren't anything like i thought they were going to be and and, and and so it was it, it, it left a bad taste in my mouth in the sense that i felt like i didn't do the due diligence maybe i should have done more but i had talked to so many people and it felt It felt right for me to go back home and to do that. But when I got there, I realized what I hadn't really done is really gotten to know the president. Uh, I didn't know the AD. Uh, I didn't know, you know, there was the probation that would be coming and and hit the program, but more importantly, the people. And and I can tell you that if you do make a change, you better know that that there is an absolute trust between the people you're going to work with and work around. And that was the one thing that I think both at Utah, BYU, Utah State, are all play- programs that I think have great leadership. And that is important for, you, for your family and for you and for the things you're going to want to do. And so as you sit down and talk to somebody about leaving one institution and going to another, not only do you share with them, and that's what most people are you know, interested in, you share with them what your plan is and what your goals are and, what your roles are going to be, but more importantly, you better be having a conversation about, okay, President, tell me what you're committed to, what, what do you think this should look like, what are your expectations of me? Rather than getting so caught up in the years and the money and the jet and all the other things that go with it, you, you need to do your due diligence. And so it's easy sometimes to say, well, I'm going to get make double the pay. Well, it doesn't matter if you're going to get double the pay if you don't have the support of administration, or you don't have the support of the people close around you, or they don't have maybe a, a, a academic program there that's in place that works to help kids be successful, or whatever the things that are important to you. So, yeah, I would, you know, I, I learned that lesson, you know, and uh, it, it's one of those things that was really difficult, and really hard for me for a long time. It's, it's not that I felt like I made a mistake mistake about leaving, and, and, and certainly there was some money issues that were involved there, but more importantly, I was kind of going back home, too, and I felt like this is an opportunity to do something pretty unique. You know, 2020 vision, looking back, you know what, you could say that was probably a big mistake. I mean, there are a lot of things in life, right? Not every decision I ever made uh, was perfect or right. I, I thought I thought through it, but the mistake that I made personally was I didn't take the time to really get to know the people there. I just trusted them and knew that this would go forward as it seemed, and it didn't. And I'm not blaming anybody on my lack of success or whatever it was, because there were a lot of really, really good things that happened there. We did rebuild a lot of things and academically and getting a lot of probation, all those things. But it's not, it wasn't my goal when I went there. So I think people have to be really careful about what they're looking at and who they're going to go be with and work with. Uh, we, I had great people you know, at, at BYU, good friends, still good friends, uh, that when they told you something, you could trust them. So I would say to, to Mark Pope down the road and to Coach Smith and anybody else that just make sure you know exactly what you're getting into. It's, just, it's really important for you, your family, and your own personal sanity. So uh, I, I think both those guys will have offers all the time. Uh, I, I can't speak for either one of them, but from the outside looking in, I think Mark seems really entrenched there. He's excited. The conversations I've had, he's, we've, had a, we've shared texts a bit during the season. Uh, he wants to build something there special. Uh, there may be a time and a day that he decides to go somewhere else. I don't know. And uh, and it wouldn't surprise him if Coach Smith stayed at Utah State. However, I think for him, where he has the Midwest highs and, has some opportunities there, that may be a more natural fit for him than living in Logan, Utah, I don't know. But those are my thoughts on that, and I think that they're both really smart guys and really, really, really good coaches. It doesn't matter where they coach, they're going to be successful. Steve, we appreciate a little
0: bit of time. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. Thanks,
1: guys. Have a good week.
0: Okay. There's Steve Cleveland. And just to add to that, PK, in my own life, anything I planned, uh, screwed up, anything I fell into uh, worked out pretty well. So I don't know what lesson there is to draw from that, but that's how all those career decisions worked out for me.
2: Well, I thought that was very insightful with Steve talking about some regrets that he had about not doing some homework on some other issues that maybe he didn't understand and he would have done differently. Uh, I thought that that was very open and honest. Maybe he should have stayed at BYU.
0: DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280, The Zone. Everything you missed in this show in one segment next.